electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wachner with Jim Cramer, who is at the New York Stock Exchange this morning. Carl and David have the morning off. Jim, it's good to see you as always. Let's take a look at futures. Looks like we're going to have a strong finish to this crazy week. Right now, the futures would be higher across the board. Dow Jones Industrial Average opening higher by about 170. NASDAQ, strong earnings from some tech companies. We'll talk about that in a moment. S&P 500, man, not that far away from a new high. Our roadmap this morning starts with the chip shortage. Intel CEO saying it will get worse before it gets better, warning that it could last into 2023. Plus, watching social, Snap shares surging ahead of the open as revenue more than doubles. And Twitter reporting its fastest revenue growth since 2014. There are also new COVID concerns this morning. The CDC director calling the Delta variant one of the most infectious respiratory viruses ever. But Jim, we'll begin with the market. As Becky was saying at the end of Squawk Box, we're only 23 points away from another new high on the S&P. And who'd have thought we'd be here given the way we started this week, Jim? Is that all forgotten now? We did think at the beginning of the week that uh, the variants, that Delta was going to take us all down. And then we get these reports, including American Express today, which indicate that's just not a factor. Uh, it is rather amazing that you could have something that seems so uh, dire on Monday. That was the end of a three-day period, by the way. We've had a bunch of just three-day sell-offs. That was one of them. And then we take off. But I've got to tell you, Scott, I'm listening to these companies. And with the exception of Intel uh, and Boston beer, holy cow, is that bit. Almost all the calls Ooh, have been ugly. delightful. Yeah, Boston beer is one of the worst calls ever. And, or or as, the first, as Bonnie Herzog, who's the unbelievable analyst over at Goldman, started up and saying, I truly don't know where to begin. And it was, of course, truly that was the uh, weak hand. Oh, my God, it's out of bad quarter. Holy cow. Oof, that, that's ugly. I mean, you, you mentioned um, Intel, you know, Gelsinger was talking about the chip shortage getting worse before it gets better. You had some price target cuts on Intel this morning, which I saw your note that you pass around. Were you talking, you said it's a travesty. Were you talking about the quarter a travesty or the fact that price targets got reduced? No, no, no. I just think that Intel uh, is trying to, that Pat Gelsinger, nice fellow, is trying to be, uh, I don't know, Andy Grove? He's no Andy Grove. I knew Andy Grove. He's no Andy Grove. And when you listen to him, he acts as if the problems with the semiconductor companies are what Intel has. When we hear Lisa Sue next week, we're not going to hear that. I mean, they've got a bit of a shortage, but they're going to deliver. Uh, I think Pat uh, had a shortage in earnings, got the wrong product. The company was being poorly run. You can't turn that battleship around in one quarter. So let's understand, if you're going to decide that Intel is the uh, semiconductor company of old, I'm going to tell you you're very ill-advised. Uh, I didn't like the quarter. Mm. 
I didn't like the way the quarter was presented. I don't like the way the Pat has somehow assumed the mantle as semiconductor man in chief. It's not right. There are others who are doing better and they're more important. Wow. You know, uh, John Ford spoke with Pat Gelsinger. You're going to see more of that on Tech Check this morning, Jim. But let's listen to what uh, at least a soundbite of what he told uh, our colleague, John Ford. Overall, we think that's the case for the industry and for us, and we're working to build more uh, product. You know, first half to second half, we have more expense coming into the business, particularly as we, you know, start bringing on more of our 10 nanometer or 7 nanometer costs. So we have some unique one-time, you know, things which are just good news as we move into the next process uh, technology nodes. We expect ASPs to be fairly stable first half to second half, partially because of those supply constraints. All right, that's Pat, Pat Gelsinger uh, there, Jim. So you said wrong product, and you're going to see more of that interview this morning, behind. as I said. He's two uh, years tech, tech behind AMD. Wrong. He's but two is he, years if they have the wrong product, is, is he the right guy? Is he the right guy, though, oh, to turn it fine. around? Well, now, the company was terrible when he took over. So, look, I just think he has to own the fact that 7 nanometer, well, at least the suit dominates 7 nanometer. 10, 10 nanometer is old. Last quarter, he said that the problem was industry slowdown. But Jensen Wong, and Jensen is, is of course, the Leonardo da Vinci of the group at, at, at NVIDIA, and Lisa Su, they saw it at AMD. They didn't have a slowdown. They had great stuff. So this is kind of like a retailer who says, listen, you know what? It rained the whole time. That's why we had a bad quarter. And then the other guy across the street said it was sunny. Uh, so, I mean, as much as I think that Pat's trying to tell a good story, he doesn't have a good story. And if people are going to sell the semis off of him, they should be buying Advanced Micro because she is taking share. As she said she would when the stock was at five bucks, she's delivering. And so if you want to believe Pat Gelsinger that uh, the industry's uh, troubled, uh, I think when you, you have a few days from now, you're going to find out it's not. You know, the, the flip side of, of this kind of conversation we're having, Jim, is Snap, which you call the best quarter of all of them. Last night, no, I mean, if not beyond. You know, uh, it's Spiegel. You know, it's Evan Spiegel, he used to be an egomaniac. Now he's actually kind of humble. And yet he's crushing it. I mean, he's a humble guy. I, I, he, he, was, he was going Hollywood when he started. Now I think he's going to move the company to, like, Peoria. This, no offense to Peoria. It's a great city. But I just thought this quarter was amazing. And uh, people want to advertise and snap. Everybody does. Uh, it, it just shows you that if you want to reach people of a certain age who are trying to figure out whether Colgate or Crest, uh, certainly not Kimberly Clark because that quarter was awful, uh, then you go to Snap. And the advertisers love it. The AR, I mean, look at these things that you and I might think are silly. Scott, uh, your kids might right now be using Snap to, to make themselves have bunny ears and glasses. Yeah, they, they literally might. Um, look at that game, yeah. 17%. Um, you know what, Jim? It's so funny. I mean, this, this has been what, what I think you, you could characterize as a under-the-radar move in, in the shares because so much conversation has been around the Facebooks and the Microsofts, the Apples, the Googles, and the Amazons right, and right. those mega-cap right. tech stocks. But look at what this stock has done. Look at the chart right, right in front of you here that Evan Spiegel has delivered in the face of, you know, look, there was a lot of naysayers around this not that long ago. Oh, yeah. And he's turned the entire narrative around. $100 billion company, deserving. Uh, if you, when you listen to American Express, I mean, they're talking about how to reach people. They're using Hulu. But uh, Spiegel, uh, who, when I 
first met him, uh, I had to like go get a selfie with him from my daughter. Totally embarrassing. <laughs> uh, was, was I thought kind of like, hey, you know what? Build it and they will come. What he realized was that he hadn't built it. Now he has, and it's uh, remarkable. It's a juggernaut, and it's, it was a fantastic conference call. When he first started, his conference calls were kind of like, uh, I don't know, um, you know, let's belly up to the bar and talk. Now his conference calls are things. Now you grow into the job, orchestrated, right? He's you, good. You, you you grow into the job. You grow into the job. Yes. Let's listen to uh, Mr. Spiegel, in fact, from the call, and we can continue the conversation on the other side. This quarter, we grew both revenue and daily active users at the highest rates we have achieved in the last four years. Daily active users grew 23% year over year to 293 million, and we more than doubled revenue year over year to 982 million, generating 117 million in adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA improved by 213 million compared to last year, marking our third adjusted EBITDA profitable quarter in the last 12 months, as we continue to demonstrate the leverage in our business as we scale. All right, that's Evan Spiegel, the SNAP CEO from the call. I, I would ask you, Jim, I mean, is this the, the no-brainer social stock to own right now? And then I'm thinking Twitter, because they knocked it out of the park, too. And look at those I, shares I, I, this morning. I think that advertising's going these guys' way, but that just means that Alphabet's going to have an incredible quarter of Facebook, too. Uh, I remember the early conference calls of uh, when, when we would listen to Snap, and the calls were kind of like, we're the coolest guys in the room. We have really good numbers. <laughs> hey, you know, we can't get it to work on oh, uh, Samsung. I don't know. But you, you got to stick with us. And people love us. No, this was a qu- You listen to him. He now sounds like he's, he's Ruth Poor out of Google. I mean, Ruth, who's, of course, the king, queen of all conference calls, but it, it was really impressive. Ned Siegel uh, hit it out of the park. I know he said uh, the Nasdaq said he gave that great uh, interview with Becky. People don't. These advertisers, Scott, the advertisers don't know where to go, but they do know where younger people are and uh, they're on these sites. I wish that TikTok had a conference call because there people are spending 70 million people are spending an hour a day on TikTok, and that's another great way to reach people mm-hmm. particularly if something goes viral but uh, i i'm uh, these people are all very good ned has always been uh very self-effacing he was self-effacing again they didn't add a lot of users but they've gotten a whole lot of new advertisers it's going to be a really good summer and fall for them uh and it, it was just a very impressive conference call they were both i mean you, you just did calls. You just did a read through also to Google expecting a, a great quarter from from that company, which which leads me to to want to talk about what's on, on what's at stake next week when all of these mega cap tech stocks, which have started leading the charge again in the market, start reporting their numbers. And I'll tell you what, the street is out in force ahead of those Jim, you've got a call from Credit Suisse. They raised the price target on Alphabet this morning to 33.50 from 27.55. They also bumped Facebook's target up. JP Morgan reiterates Apple overweight. Bank of America reiterates Apple as a buy. Barclays reiterates Microsoft is overweight. So the street's getting behind these names early. Yeah, look, we're looking at the advertising dollars, and I've got to tell you, when you see the Amazon advertising dollars, you're going to start thinking that maybe that's the driver. I wonder if Jassy's going to – Jassy's a very tough guy. Big giant fan, so I never really 
uh, cared for that aspect of them, but everything else is just great. Uh, and I think that the, that the number from Alphabet advertising is going to be extreme. There's so much good happening at Apple. Microsoft, I had another guy. I mean, they're just fighting each other to get more. I mean, when you see my higher price target, higher price target, higher price target. And yet, let's just talk about reality, the here and now. The American Express, the American Express quarter is a triumph because it's about millennials and Gen X. And I remember when people say, you know what? No one will take the American. The younger generation doesn't want it. The younger generation wants it more than my generation. And I'm a member since 81, proud of it. 40 years. Not bad, huh? But that, what a great, yeah. that, what they a great released, They released some Twitter. of their... They were they released some of their reserves as well to help to help things out. But but as you said, I mean, it's a spending story uh, as well. And you know what? I, and I by go the way, back when I spoke to no, uh, a variant variant, not a factor. And that's the difference between Monday and Wednesday, Scott. We went from variant a factor to variant not a factor, even though uh, Scott got Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who also, by the way, is on the board of Illumin and Pfizer, uh, did have some things that made us feel like, well, the Israeli study is. Uh, makes me feel like it's booster time. Yeah, I mean, some of the data coming out of Israel that, that Dr. Gottlieb was talking about with, with Becky and Andrew is, is obviously concerning. Um, you do have to put it in context, as, as Dr. Gottlieb tried to do, Jim, when you look at the, the numbers and the falling efficacy of the drugs, who it's really impacting. Some of those who were vaccinated very early on uh, are most vulnerable. Uh, you know, in January, right. we're talking... It's it's necessary to put everything into context, but it's a it's a crazy world, Jim, that that we're living in where we were so concerned and we should be concerned still about the Delta variant. CDC is calling it the 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 toughest virus that they've seen in in at least 20 years. And yet we have a stock market that, again, is approaching all time highs. The market's ability to look to the other side of of all of that, Jim. Did you hear the way that. Dr. Gottlieb had to dance around the fact that the CDC is is rivaling the FDA as being the keystone cops of this period. I mean, the CDC doesn't seem to issue anything that's helpful. Uh, the FDA is still carrying these things as emergency use, even as they give a, a drug that probably doesn't work against Alzheimer's, the approval. Uh, so the, we don't even know. These are unelected people who are really doing the job. They're really, it's almost like they're in league with the anti-vaxxers. And what is exactly, I mean, if the anti-vaxxers, if their parents and grandparents had been anti-poliovax or TB, the, the interesting thing about them is they would never have been born. Just, just something for those thoughtful people to think about. Jim, let's listen to Dr. Walensky of the CDC on, oh, really? on the Delta variant. The Delta variant is spreading with incredible efficiency and now represents more than 83% of the virus circulating in the United States. Compared to the virus we had circulating initially in the United States at the start of the pandemic, the Delta variant is more aggressive and much more transmissible than previously circulating strains. It is one of the most infectious respiratory viruses we know of and that I have seen in my 20 year career. All right. Uh, you know, Jim, what do you do with that? Coupled with the fact that uh, Dr. Ja, you know, w- with Shep talking about how he doesn't think people clearly understand how bad it's going to get. Um, and again, the market has this incredible ability, Jim, to just look past it. Well, I think that there is a sense among the people who are vaccinated that they feel safe. We see people in New York going leading their lives. And we think that the anti-vaxxers feel that it's just the flu. 
uh, of course, they, I wonder if they would get the flu shot. They, they seem to have some sort of ideology against this, but they don't feel they, they feel immune. Uh, but what's really happening is, is that people feel we're going to have low morbidity in this country. And that I agree with. Uh, and I think that's our saving grace versus the high mor- morbidity of India. Uh, mm-hmm. I did love the way that Macron yesterday just said, listen, you anti-vaxxers, stay home. Britain seeming to go for herd immunity. They're saying, look, we're 70% vaccinated. You know, go go to the clubs, go get a beer. Uh, we're going to get this thing to herd immunity. So I think that this, what is going on, uh, you know, frankly, Scott, is a belief that Yes, this is really, really absolutely contagious. But because of the R not, because of how easy it is to get it, the, the contagion is going to sweep through the country, not unlike what happened in 1918 and 1919. And then it, it, it either killed you or it made you stronger. Yeah, you get to herd immunity and the market clearly is looking to that. Jim, uh, we'll talk more about the market in a minute. Uh, GM is just announcing, though, a new Bolt EV safety recall due to potential fire risk. Our Phil LeBeau joining us now with the latest details. Hi, Phil. Hi, Scott. Take a look at shares of General Motors. Let's talk about this new recall for the Chevy Bolt. This covers 2017 to 2019 Chevy Bolts, a total population of 68,667 Bolts are being recalled. By the way, this is the second time. Uh, GM is recalling these bolts to correct the potential uh, defects that are or defects that are in the battery that could spark a fire. Here's what they are telling owners of bolts to do until the vehicles are fixed. And it's fairly intricate. They cannot have the vehicle charge above 90 percent. They also don't want it to drain below 25 percent. That effectively drops the useful range of the Chevy Bolt down to about 140, 150 miles. They also do not want the vehicle to be charged overnight. They want it to be parked outside. And oh, by the way, if you have one of these vehicles being recalled, they want you to charge it after every time you drive the vehicle. After every time, they want you to charge the vehicle but not go above 90%. GM is currently investigating eight Chevy Bolt battery fires. The picture we're going to show you is of a Bolt that was fixed in uh, the previous recall, the November recall to fix the potential for battery fires. It was serviced and fixed, and yet it's still caught on fire. This picture was a Bolt owned by a Vermont lawmaker. General Motors is in the process of uh, fixing these defective battery cells. They do not say how long it will take to replace those defective cells. But guys, this is not good news. Anytime you have uh, a recall involving a vehicle that may catch on fire is troubling. But now this is the second one for the Chevy Bolt. And you're telling the owners until it's fixed, you got to have real limitations on the use of the vehicle. Guys, back to you. Yeah, Phil, we appreciate that. And Jim, why aren't shares reacting more to, to this story? Uh, you know, I think the stock's down a great deal because of the semiconductor shortage and uh, that in particular, it's, this is a wait till next year for, for GM. They've got some very interesting products. It'll be interesting to see if Ford, which doesn't seem to be having those problems and also seems to have greater chip availability, uh, goes down. Uh, it shouldn't. But that's discouraging. That's just discouraging. And, and, you know, anyone who knows and follows the work of Mary Barra, I think, just feels bad. She is trying so hard to get GM into the 21st century, doing a terrific job. This is a blow, uh, but please do not count her out. She is a terrific executive who will have great product next year. All right, we'll be right back. More Squawk on the Street is after this quick break. Stocks looking to open higher to end the week. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. 
Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Futures looking pretty good on this Friday. The S&P would open higher by 19. Dow Jones Industrial Average looking at a 183-point gain off the open. NASDAQ strong as well. Up next, it's Kramer's Mad Dash. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. It is time now for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. We're talking a little Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, look, today, I'm using this as emblematic of what's going on with certain companies. Uh, right now, uh, Starbucks is breaking out. A bear does a piece. You're using an incredible price target, you know, 20 points above here. But what matters is what we're seeing, whether it be Chipotle, okay, whether it be with Starbucks, whether it be with Domino's, we'll talk about later, scale is mattering here. Starbucks is doing incredibly well. They've got the technology. They're able to use their balance sheet to expand. They're doing amazingly in China. But United States, because of cold brew, people like cold brew, is crushing it. And Kevin Johnson was a technologist. As you know, he came from, from uh, Juniper. What, what a fantastic hire. Uh, board member going to CEO by Howard Schultz. Let's give him his due. This place is a juggernaut right now. And I think that as much as a lot of people feel it might be overvalued, Wow. Wow, it is just doing so well. It goes higher, Scott, even as it's already been lifted. Yeah, pretty decent looking chart, too, right? It went sideways oh. for just a little bit as you come into the summer, and now it looks like it's, uh, it's ramping up again. 
I wish we could see uh, last year in February, March, it bottomed and actually traded uh, in almost uh, stop trading style in the 50s. It broke down to when uh, when uh, when when uh, Bill Ackman came on and basically said, what was it? The four horsemen of, of the apocalypse was going to be visiting us. And, uh, and that's when the stock broke down to 50. That was the greatest buying opportunity I've come across during this market, this this period, this strange period that we're in. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jim, thank you. The opening bell is just minutes away. We'll be right back. I think the markets have been going through a bit of a rolling correction really since March, uh, and that fits our narrative that we've been sort of espousing here, which is it's more about rotations than it is about the index. And, you know, look, when this happens historically, Scott, you know, when you get these sort of rolling corrections, the market always goes after the weakest links first. It reminds me a lot of 2018. We kind of had a similar conversation. We were talking about a rolling bear market. We thought it would be more severe then because it was end of the cycle. This is still you know, early to mid cycle, but, you know, rolling corrections can happen during bull markets. And that's what's going on. So we think it ends with a correction at the index level. And that would be very helpful. That would then you can kind of reset the playing field. Valuations will be more justifiable, and we can focus back then on earnings growth. All right, that's Mike Wilson, Morgan Stanley's chief U.S. equity strategist, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But you're looking at the opening bells and the CNBC real-time exchange this morning at the big board celebrating its IPO as Exponential Fitness. We'll speak with the CEO a little over an hour from now, and at the NASDAQ, Outbrain is doing the honors in Midtown this morning. But how about that, Jim? Um, you know, you led into Mike Wilson yesterday morning. We talked about it, right, that Mike Wilson was coming on and he has been right in terms of this rolling correction. But he does think there's another 10 percent to go. Yeah, but I, I think that what's what I like about Mike is also what bothers me. OK, it makes you want to sell. When you listen to him, you want to sell. You want to say, you know what, I ought to take profits in Apple. I should take profits in Starbucks. You know, I ought to bang out some Facebook. It's really time to go uh, when it comes to Snap. No, you can't do that. You have to just take the pain. And I think he has to really come out, Mike Moore, and say, you know what, in these corrections, you want to buy them. They're all working for you. And it's real bullish. Instead, I tremble a little because I say, oh, let me get out and maybe I'll get back in. You can't do that. Nobody's that good. But I do like Mike, and he comes on, and he's good. And what can I say? He's he. I don't want him scaring people. How about that? I don't want him scaring well, people. The the key, the the key to his call really hinges on mega cap tech, the the Fang Plus stocks, because they may have, you know, they may have started that rolling correction a long time ago, right? Uh, last yes, fall, yes, exactly. And then the sort of correction started rolling through, and these stocks have picked up again. If the mega cap tech stocks, Jim, don't roll over, Mike Wilson's going to be wrong. He needs those stocks to bring the market down. Otherwise, the market's not going down. You're not going to get 10 percent in the S&P if all those stocks go up. And you're not getting downgrades. Uh, uh, You're getting upgrades. uh, I think one of the things that I heard yesterday that's interesting about Apple, you know, you heard ATT. Remember, ATT was supposed to be that unbelievably great surprise. Well, I mean, these guys, these phone companies, Oh, look at that. It's them. These phone companies are making deals, giving you phones. That's really unbelievable for a lot of semiconductor companies. Of course, it's good for it for uh, Apple. I think when I look at Snap and I look at Twitter, do you think they're better than Facebook and Alphabet and Amazon as a way to reach people? Oh, please. So I think that Netflix was the weak sister of the group. 
but you can't call it Fang. Uh, but Microsoft obviously is going to deliver a great number two, or else everybody wouldn't just constantly be uh, saying it's fabulous. So big cap tech's in charge. Uh, and the question is, is whether you own a lot of big cap or whether you just, or own a little big cap. But you got to own it. You can't just do nothing but own HCA and Honeywell. But what, That's a couple what, of H's for you. What's really on the line, though, Jim, if, if you... If you consider the fact that, you know, breadth in, in the market has certainly narrowed, these stocks have started to pick up a lot more of the weight. That means a lot more pressure is on these earnings reports. And let's not forget, Jim, what happened last quarter. These companies absolutely knocked the cover off the ball. Home run after yes. home run yes. after yes. home yes. run. Yes. And what the stocks do? You remember what the stocks did, though? They, they went well, down. Most of them no, went I down. Know. No, that's a good call. I don't like stocks coming in hot. I mean, remember, the, the bank stocks got a little bit of a, uh, of a sell-off, so they were okay. But it may depend that day about what the 10-year is doing. The 10-year is still in charge for a lot of people. Uh, by the way, we're seeing some industrials not doing as well as they should. I liked Honeywell's quarter, but oh, no, they got to sell that. Uh, and Kimberly I didn't like because they uh, Kimberly Clark, they had some raw costs that were uh, disappointing. Uh, and they also had a slowdown in their uh, top line. So... That was pretty much everything bad that you could possibly ask for. But but look, can we just go and, and, and can we go to Boston Beer for a second? Uh, because it's very unusual to see a stock, basically uh, one of the great head and shoulders patterns of all time, by the way, uh, just completely disappoint at a level where the analysts are saying, why did you lead us on? Why did you tell us things were good? How could you not have known? This is one of those that at one point they would have done a pre-announcement. It was uh, a conference call, an unreal conference call. It was more of a, did, I, we have never been sandbagged like this, partner. Unbelievable. I don't know when that stock's ever going to regain its price earnings multiple, because that was maybe, of the year, the worst quarter that I've seen. Wow. Yeah, look at the shares yeah. down more than, than 20%. It may I mean, not be So done. they don't get to a, oh, I was just going to ask you, does it get to a level where you think it begins to look good and you, you think it's like falling knife? territory. Well, yeah, if you turn it upside down, it'll be at a level that's good. Can you turn that chart upside down so you get a good look at how Boston Beer, where I think it's going to bottom? I mean, when you have analysts just openly calling the guys on the call as clueless, uh, it is very difficult to, to, oh, look at that great chart. Yeah, it stops right here. Uh, you don't need a chartist to tell which way the wind blows. So, I mean, I, I think that some of the industrials are giving up the ghost and, and they will be part of Mike Wilson's rolling uh, the uh, rolling analysis, but I do think that we're getting enough good quarters that we shouldn't get negative. Speaking of, I wanted markets. to check on, on shares of Snap and, and Twitter. Let, let's take a look. By, by the way, uh, we're at the highs of the morning now. Uh, you know, we're shortly off the open, but this is as good as it's looked this morning, oh, Jim. Yeah. Dow's up better than 200. We've, we've retaken 35,000 on, on the Dow. We're not that far away from a new high on the, on the S&P. And you know, there's Snap. So it's the antithesis of Boston Beer is what Snap is doing, what Twitter is doing, and what some of those other companies that really had spectacular earnings reports are doing, too. I absolutely love the breadth of what's winning. It's usually we've had bad breath lately, but you've got American Express. You have Schlumberger, very good call, Stephanie Link on Schlumberger. you got a bunch of housing companies. you got Visa doing well. You have insurers doing well. You have airlines doing well. You have apparel doing well. I think that there may not be broad uh, as broad as we'd like, but that's pretty darn good. And Schlumberger, by the way, actually had a great quarter. Uh, Schlumberger had been, uh, been hurting. 
Uh, I would look at the hotels because uh, that's how good American Express was, uh, particularly Hilton. They've got to deal with them. Uh, and healthcare is on fire. Mm-hmm. So I, I lot to like here, Scott. Lot to like. SLB beat on the top and the and the bottom. Um, that was or very Honeywell nice. did. Um, Honeywell. No, but they didn't Honeywell like Honeywell a, because by... of aerospace. And stock was up nine earlier this week. I mean, Honeywell. Believe me, if you bet against Darius, a damn check. You're a darn fool. The damn check. He's going to yep. beat you every single time. He's down there at North Carolina with our buddy Dave Tepper, who I wonder whether uh, Dave Tepper, who owns the Panthers, whether he likes that new rule for the NFL. One and done, right? Yeah, what do you, you think, someone of, who, uh, what do you think, think about who, that, right? If, if you, uh, you know, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because that is a talker for, for sure around NFL, if not all of sports circle this, this morning, Jim. Basically, if, if you test positive and you cause the game to be canceled and they can't make it up, nobody's getting paid. And you're getting a fair amount of backlash uh, out of that this morning, Jim, as the NFL takes a stand. Well, I think that the NFL's, uh, I, I think may, that may be Jeff Pash, the, the, the legal counsel, because what they show you is, here's the way to do it. Can you imagine the guy who is, has got COVID and he causes you to get a forfeiture? I mean, remember what this at stake, the paycheck. You don't get paid if you don't play. So uh, I got to hand it to the NFL and they know how to get the job done. They know how to get the job done. Dwayne uh, well, the, Hopkins, the do we is have, really, can we draft Hopkins? I don't think we can draft Hopkins. He's a man making a stand right. on belief of nothing. Yeah, the receiver anyway. from the, the Cardinals uh, you're, you're talking about. Uh, I was going to draft. I got the you know, snake. I was going to draft him 9-10. He's now. He's off the list. I had I had him in fantasy last year. And, man, I mean, the guy is oh, an incredible player. I put him right um, there with Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy you, I don't want to draft. To give more context to what you're talking about, I mean, he sort of suggested he was rethinking his future in the NFL once they, they did all that. And by the way, I noticed uh, this morning, Jim, that pro, football, yeah. that, that pro football talk, which I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably follow as well on, on Twitter, their sources were saying that one team has eight players who refuse to ever get vaccinated and seven of them were deemed to be too good to cut. So, I mean, you, you could have a major issue within the NFL this upcoming season, which, by the way, training camps are some are already underway and some are starting in a matter of days. Well, I think that this ruling is going to make those people's test those people's resolves. But where's Adam Silver when you need it? You've got the, the cerebral people in the NBA to do what was right. Uh, I, I look, a paycheck is what matters. A paycheck is what matters. And I think that Pfizer and, and Moderna, which is Moderna's stock doing very well today. Once again, if you, if you don't want their stock, then you do want to get sick. I mean, it literally is true. And, but you know that uh, because the death rate isn't going up, somehow you feel like that's OK to get sick. Uh, I think that the NFL is going to turn out to be a leader in how to get this thing done until the FDA decides to make it so these aren't just emergency use. Moderna, by the way, added to the S&P. No one's putting a knock on any of Moderna's. That is the star of the show. And uh, I keep reminding people that they were the first successful test for the vaccine and occurred the day that the S&P hit a low. So uh, they're the leader. And they make me proud that they're an American company. Yeah, you know what? Um, props to, to my guy Steve Weiss, too, who's really been pounding the table on, on Moderna for so many, so many months, um, has added to his position on numerous occasions. 
and that, that stock continues to be a winner. Jim, speaking of, since yeah, we're talking tip, about you know, the, the way, NFL, and we're thinking about... So good. I'm sorry, your guys have been so good on the show. Guys have been very, very hot, and people should be watching the show if they want ideas. Mainly because, by the way, you have a lot of bulls, and, and, all, and they're, giving you, they're giving you great ones. Uh, Farmer Jim has, been, has done some good work, too. Yeah, no, I, they'll appreciate you saying that uh, for certain. They're the ones who are doing the, the, the heavy lift for sure. Um, but since we're talking about Moderna and we're talking about the NFL and people are looking forward to going back to NFL games, and we've talked about how the, you know, the market is, has narrowed, are, are you suggesting, did I hear you suggest earlier, Jim, or at least intimate that you, you think we could broaden out from, from where we've been, that some of these stocks that have been stuck lately because of or at least in part of Delta, uh, could actually start breaking out again, travel names, some of the hotels, and some of these more cyclical-natured stocks? I think you have to listen to Steve's query from American Express if you want to know the future. Small, medium-sized business doing much better. Uh, The younger people are feeling very emboldened. The millennials want to go out. The millennials were the big sign-ups, the 2 million-plus sign-ups. I think that there's a younger cohort that just has decided that this is over, or if they get it, it's just something, uh, a sniffle, and they're spending. Uh, And I think that that's going to broaden things. I also think that the hybrid model, once again, remember, that's why you keep seeing the home builders on the new high list and gaining, because the hybrid model is just going to be the model. And Scott, you know what? I feel like sometimes, I feel like the hybrid models, I mean, even here, I mean, I look at the people to the right of me and the left of me, and I realize I'm in the hybrid model. Because there's, you're coming from a remote location, and it's here we are in July. So I think that that's the future. The hybrid model, and the hybrid model is actually good for the stock market. Well, you, you, you mentioned, you know, the big spend that American Express is seeing. And I think back, Jim, to that, that conversation, I don't know, what was it, a month ago? Maybe it's a little bit longer at this point, that Brian Moynihan of Bank of America had with Becky. You remember that where he was talking where spending had returned or was above like pre-COVID levels? To your point, people want to get out and they're already getting out and they want to spend money. 2019 is looking like a bad year. Now, 2019, we had unbelievable employment. Uh, The economy was red hot. And yet so many companies have taken out 2019 levels. We don't want to look at last year's levels, obviously. But, I mean, when you look at the bank group, which has been, I mean, that group is so cheap. And there, my favorite is Wells Fargo, because Charlie Scharf has just decided to put the wood to everybody. Hey, how about this? Can we talk Warren Buffett for a second? He should not have sold Wells Fargo, but he does have a big amount of American Express. And I think Coca-Cola put on a very good show the other day. So some of his stocks are coming alive with pleasure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Bob Pisani, as you know, Jim, is following the action on the floor of the stock exchange today. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Scott. And we are sitting right at the door of a new high on the S&P 500. We'll keep an eye on that. Before the week, what a turnaround here. We're now in positive territory. Take a look at the leadership bank stocks, which had a terrible start to the week. They're now positive for the week. Text the leader back again. That's up about 2%. Industrials are up about 1%. Energy is still struggling because oil is coming off of that high of $75 back down. 
after the OPEC agreement. We have had an extraordinary quarter so far. This is the mother of all earnings reports, folks. Uh, we are one quarter of the way through the second quarter, and the numbers keep going up. 76%. That's what we're looking at, an increase compared to the second quarter of last year. You don't see these numbers very often, but we started back on April 1st, 54%. Then it went up to 65%. Now 76 This is just amazing how these numbers keep going up. And this is why the stock market keeps going up. And it's not the second quarter. They're looking at the third and fourth quarters. Let me show you why the stock market's holding up, why prices are holding up so well. Number one, the third quarter and the fourth quarter numbers keep rising. That's what you want to see. Now, it's not going up as fast as the second quarter, but it's still going up. Secondly, we have near record profit margins. The record was 13%. That was the first quarter. This quarter, we're at 12.8. Close enough. Hey, despite all these concerns about costs and pricing, margins are holding up. Those two things, earnings estimates, margins, that's what the market really cares about. The COVID variant is a big problem. We've talked about it all week, but it's slowing, not derailing the recovery. That's the key phrase. The final thing I want to point out is something we've been talking about nine months ago, and it's really come to the fore now. That's the operating leverage concept. Operating leverage is very important here. So what's happened is companies in the last year have reduced their costs. They've reduced travel costs. They've reduced real estate. They've cut jobs. Now, revenues are improving for all of these companies. And as a result, more profit is accruing to the bottom line. That is operating leverage. It's kind of magic pixie dust. And it's all over the earnings reports if you take a look. Now, Jim and Scott, we're talking about Honeywell. Uh, I want to just point out, just so you understand, how remarkable the recovery has been. Honeywell, to me, is the quintessential global industrial because they work across so many spaces that touch so many different lives. So aerospace, this is revenues. These are sales year over year up 53 percent. Safety and productivity, organic sales, 35 percent higher. Building technologies, 13 percent higher. Performance materials, 10 percent higher. You see how many different industries there are and how many different people and, and, and companies that they touch. That's why they're the quintessential uh, company. Now, if you want to take a look at the stock, you can see here it's down a little bit, but it's 1% from a historic high. Honeywell's guidance was okay, not amazing. It was a little bit higher than the actual beat that they had. So that's not amazing. Here's the problem for Honeywell. It's very, very expensive. Honeywell used to trade at 15 or 16 times forward earnings. That's historically where it was. That's about the market multiple. Right now, Scott, it's trading at 25 times forward earnings. It's never traded in that territory before. And that's a problem with a lot of these uh, big industrials. Finally, Scott, we're looking at 43.84 on the S&P. That's the old closing high. We're sitting right at the door of the new high. Back to you. All right, Bob, I appreciate that very much. You have yourself a good weekend. Uh, you mentioned uh, industrials, and we do have some fresh economic data out just moments ago. You see it on the bottom of your screen. Manufacturing PMI beating estimates at 63.1 compared to expectations of a 61.8 reading. Services PMI, though, falling short 59.8 compared to a 64.2 estimate. There's your 10-year note. Yield 129. We're back after this. We're starting to get some of that business back that actually faced a little bit of a headwind last year. So think about late night business. You think about the weekend business when people are gathering to watch a game or to have a family event or something like that. That went away last year. It's coming back this year. And we're seeing our carryout business really start to rebound. You know, as customers are more and more comfortable being out there in their cars and going out to pick up their pizzas. 
That was Domino's CEO Rich Allison with Jim on, on Mad Money last night. And Jim, so we listened to that. J.P. Morgan downgrades Domino's to neutral yeah. from, from overweight. Uh, what well, do, I mean, what do we make is... of the call? What do you make of Mr. Allison? Look, I, I, I'm loath to denigrate the J.P. Morgan analyst because he had a great run. Remember, this stock is up 8,000 percent since 2004 versus about 400 percent for the S&P. So you do feel that, you know, bulls make money, bears make money, hogs get slaughtered. That said, these guys have such scale. Remember, they were they had plus three comps. People were looking for minus one comps. Uh, and people thought that maybe after you're allowed to go out, people stop going to dominoes. No. The numbers were extraordinary. And a lot of that is, by the way, that I know until you've had it, it tastes really good. And a lot of their technology, they do so much great stuff in terms of uh, not being able. You don't have to. There's no touching. You know exactly how much it is. Put the tip on the app. I mean, it is just a technological marvel. They are. uh, By the way. They're doing autonomous driving with their with little Jeeps that go around and give you your pizza. So I hope I got one of those. By the way, the banana peppers without cheese is the best tomato pie in the world. And tomatoes from Philly. Mm. I know that's I what like I sound that. like. All right. I mean, you know, it's all right. They're calling me the mayor of Easttown. Heck with them. Go to Wawa for all I care. I like I like <laughs> I like the thin crust with the pepperoni and the banana peppers, but that's just me. Isn't it good? All right. Isn't it good? Oh, so one. It's really good. Right now. It's really good. We'll have it together. I'll come over. I should. I should. We'll do it. All right. There you go. You know where I live. Up next, it's Stop Trading with Jim. All right, Jim, it's time for Stop Trading. What are we talking about? A lot of people are cheering and autonomous driving uh, a part of the action. Uh, is a company called Veneer, and people really given up on those stocks, but not Magna, which is building a lot of these cars. And Magna bought them for a, a nice chunk of change, $3.8 billion, rescued a company from, uh, from oblivion. Uh, I believe that these uh, autonomous driving cars, there's too many of them, autonomous driving uh, pieces. But you know what? Magna needs it. Oh, my. Magna, you have him on Tech Check? He's fantastic. He's a great guest. He's on- He's really on delightful check. man. Eleven forty-five. I can't believe this. I'm promoting Tech Check. Next to me is is Wilfred Frost. Happens to be David Frost's son. Just in case you were wondering. What? <laughs> I love being down here. It's just fantastic. But anyway, I am going to miss working with I'm you sorry. this weekend. We can do a show this weekend. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm today. not there. I- yeah, you do. On what I was going to say, I'm sorry for not being there with you. If they only knew, Jim, if they only knew. Um, what do you have tonight? You've had a great week. How are you going to end it? Well, yeah, I've got a company, Re, which is one of these SPACs that's EV, and EV is everything. And Memo, by the way, to uh, Spiegel, Evan Spiegel, I think you're terrific. I hope you'll forgive me for not liking your stock when it was right to not like it. And, uh, and I like that you're no longer going Hollywood. Now you're going Wall Street. Uh, next thing I know, Bradley Cooper's going to be playing him in some movie. Yeah, right. All right, Jim, you have a good weekend. We'll see you on the other side. You too, buddy. Thank you. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. 
Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.